This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is April 14th, 2021. Uh, Luke Sylvia, my typical co-host, not joining me today. But I guess I have a, an honorary co-host today, special guest Dante Marcatelli. Dante, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's good to see you, Jonathan. And I always knew deep down Luke didn't care for me. I always knew that, oh, boy. that way, way deep down there was just something there uh, where he didn't like me. So he took the first opportunity. Here I am back on the show with you, and he took this opportunity to skip out, didn't he? That's exactly well, Luke what doesn't. Luke doesn't really care for me either, Dante. So we ha- we kind of have that in common. Well, really? But I'm I'm really I'm interested in why you would say that. There's got to be a story no. there. No, I'm totally kidding. Luke's been nothing but great. Uh, worked with us. I know we shadowed with us a little bit with the Magic and did some great stuff with the Lakeland Magic. But uh, no, he's he's doing a great job like you are, kind of carving out a niche here in Central Florida and and covering the team. So it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun to follow. No, I love that guy. Uh, he he has done a great job, especially with us in, in the podcast. But um, he's going to really like hearing that. So he'll be excited to hear that. So um, but when I talk to him, I see the wheels turning in the back of his head. He's like, I just don't know if I buy what this guy's selling <laughs> right now. So I see that. I see that. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would think that way of you, Dante. I think you're, you're pretty well liked around the, the Orlando Magic fan well, I community. Appreciate that. But... I appreciate that. Likewise. Thank you. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit before we started recording here that you were actually the first guest that we ever had on the podcast. That's so that cool, was, uh, Yeah, it's, it's been a while. That was right after the 18-19, uh, that awesome end of the, you know, the last 31 games, and then we got into the playoffs and everything like that. So we have a lot to catch up on. Obviously, a lot has happened right. since then. Uh, a lot has happened this season specifically. One of the first things that I wanted to ask you, Dante, so earlier this year, obviously you have the injury to Markel Fultz, uh, but then Cole Anthony, we got to see him in a much bigger role than perhaps we had anticipated at the beginning of the season. Uh, and it really culminated in that game winner that he hit in Minnesota. So you're, you're down two with about four seconds left. A guy going to the line, Jarrett Vanderbilt, you 99 out of 100 times you lose that game. You're praying he's going to miss both free throws. He does. Cole ends up with the ball, sprints down the floor, hits the three. Everybody goes crazy. You heard Jeff and, and David going crazy, but we didn't get to see your reaction, Dante. And I want to <laughs> know, what, like, what is going through your mind in that moment? What was your reaction to, to that game winner? All right, well, two things. And remind me, because I got to come back on this, because I just got the story from Cole. We did a, a season ticket holder event. And he broke down those final few seconds. So I'm going to tell you exactly what was going through his mind. And then that's going to be my moment coming up uh, for when we see the Minnesota Timberwolves here in a couple of weeks. So we'll show that again and awesome. kind of relive it. So I was sitting there with Quentin Richardson. We're in the, uh, we're in the visiting locker room, right? So we weren't able to be out in the bowl because there was a solar bear game. Um, so we're in the visitor locker room on the chairs, getting ready to do the post game show. And it was a great comeback. You're thinking, okay, they're, they're making it close, but yeah, two free throws. Even if he makes one of them, uh, it's going to be hard. You didn't have any timeouts left. Uh, so how are you going to find a way to, to pull this thing out? We erupted. We jumped off our chairs. We've got a camera person. We've got an audio person. Uh, and we've got another utility person. So there's five of us in the room and they have their masks on. We're getting ready to go on air. We're jumping around freaking out after he makes the shot. Can't believe that it just happened. 
and then we have to compose ourselves because I hear in my ear, we're going to get cold. We're going to get cold for the interview. So and we're watching on the TV, and he's running into the tunnel, and George Galante goes after him to chase him down and, and bring him back. So uh, it, was just, it was just a wild sequence inside that room behind the scenes, which was a lot of fun. But I talked to him, and he said, you mentioned those two free throws by Jared Vanderbilt. He told us that he knew he was going to miss those. He said there was just something in his eyes. He goes, I watched when he stepped to the line, and I had a feeling. He said, this guy does not want to take these shots right now. He goes, I know Jared, great guy, great player. He goes, but just in that moment, I just had a feeling that he wasn't going to make them. And he goes, I just was thinking to myself, please, let this ball come to me somehow, some way. And I know he's going to miss them, and I'm going to have a chance to win the game. He goes, because I know if I get my hands on it, I'm going to make the shot. And that's what he said. You can say whatever you want after the fact. We have no idea what really went on right. in his head because it all happened just like that. But I believe him. I, I think that's a guy that always wants that big shot. And it got tipped out to him, and he raced down the other end and fired it in. That was, that was a great moment. An all-timer, right, in Magic history to have a buzzer beater like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that post-game conference that you had with him <laughs> encapsulates exactly who Cole is, at least what we can yeah, see as right. fans. You even had to correct him that it hadn't been like a four or five game losing streak, that it was actually six. Like it was actually six. Like, dang. But I I love so much. I think we have two of the guys in the league who are just so candid at all times in Terrence Ross and then also Cole, because not many people are going to walk you through that. And to even say that about another guy, like, oh, I knew he was going to miss that. So I think we can all agree how much we love Cole. But you had mentioned how. Uh, you were in the visiting locker room because of the fact that obviously the solar bears were playing. So you couldn't be out in the main bowl, but typically Dante, you would be courtside. You'd be watching this in real time. So obviously right. with the pandemic and everything that has really changed the way that now Bally sports, Florida is able to cover the team and the access that you have. So I wanted to, to really ask you that um, how has this obviously altered the way that, that you have the ability to do your job? Well, it's altered it a lot. I mean, thankfully, we still have access to these guys through Zoom interviews and, and things like that. And we still have access through our PR staff. And we're still, you know, I got a, I had a, I had a great relationship with guys like Booch and Evan and Terrence. And, and you could send some text messages and you could find out if there was a story you wanted to hit on. or, uh, or But most of the time, you'd get them in Zoom. Um, so that helped. But, yeah, I mean, the stuff you would pick up, Jonathan, on, on a bus, you know, when we're, when we're sitting on a bus or on a plane or in a hotel lobby, uh, or just standing on the floor before the game as they're going through their shoot around. And then there's some downtime and they get talking to a guy or two and then going in the locker room and being able to have these conversations that aren't in front of everybody, you know, cause we want to hit on a storyline or something funny happened and you want to dig behind the scenes. That's all the stuff that's lost. And, and that's what we, you know, that's what we love. We love doing our jobs and we want to do it to the best of our ability and not being able to be with them in some capacity. You know, it's been over a year since I've been face-to-face -face with any of these guys. That, that, that's kind of the craziest thing about it. And I know David and Jeff will tell you the same thing. There's nothing, there's no substitute for sitting courtside and being able to pick up all the things that you can pick up during a broadcast, which they have to do uh, for two hours every night. So, so you lose that. So you're trying to make up for it in other ways. And you just got to dig a little deeper. You just got to do a little more research and, and you just got to make sure you absorb all content and find out, make sure you're not missing anything uh, so you can put your storylines together. But there's nothing like those buzzer beaters. And I would have been on the floor and I'd be standing there next to Cole. And who knows what he would have done uh, face to face with me standing there. Who knows? He would have been mobbed. He would have been, you know, all that stuff. We had big games by Markel Fultz where they dumped water on him in LA. 
uh, a number of Nick Vucevic and Evan Fournier game winners, uh, Tobias Harris game winners, where you're right there, and you can just get that immediate raw reaction. And so, yeah, you certainly miss that, and hopefully it feels like we're headed in the right direction. Hopefully every NBA team can start adding some more fans uh, before the end of the season, and then hopefully we're back to normal next year, or at least whatever the new normal looks like. Right. Yeah, hopefully we. it seems that we're trending in that direction. The NBA has yeah, announced right. that right. they're hoping to have full-capacity arenas to, to start next season. I wanted to ask you, listeners of the podcast know that Luke and I are huge foodies. We love food. So as much as you're missing being with the team, do you miss being with the team more, or do you miss the road and, and being able to eat at these different restaurants? We always hear on the pod squad, you guys talking about all the different restaurants and, and things like that. So how excited are you for the, the road food again? Well, I do miss that. There's no question. But first and foremost, I love being home and being with my family. I Definitely. love that. That, that. This has been a blessing, something that none of us thought we would ever be able uh, to have. And so that's been awesome. Uh, but as far as being on the road, oh, yeah, I miss that. I, I miss going to dinner with David and Jeff. I miss the stories. Uh, I miss everybody, you know, telling jokes and making fun of each other for, for our order. The pressure, Jonathan, that goes around the table to not make a bad order it is absolutely <laughs> incredible because you're going to get roasted for it. You're going to get roasted on the bus, on the plane. The first time I traveled with them, we went to Portland, and I was so excited. And I had a horrible, horrible order. And they have not let that go uh, since, I've, since I've been with them. And so that, and then David, you know, once in a while, everybody remembers uh, that, that one order. What was uh, it? So I, I'm trying to, what's the chicken cutlet where you pound it really thin? You pound it really thin, and I, I went with that. It's like really thin chicken, and I, I've drawn a blank on the name. Not really sure. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's nothing that it should ever be ordered. It shouldn't <laughs> be available in a restaurant. It was chicken this thin. It was breaded. It was horrible, and uh, that's it looked good, everything I read on the menu, and they have not let me forget that uh, ever since then. David Steele ordered airline chicken one time at a restaurant, and they've not, you know, we've not forgotten that one. George immediately regrets his order every time the waiter walks away. Every time they walk away, he said, I shouldn't have got that. So I, we get to go to some great cities. We get to have some great food. And I, I certainly do miss that part of it. But that would be second to being around the team. No questions. <laughs> I have a friend like that. Uh, one of my buddies, Matt, we call him the king of I should have. Oh, I should have done this. Yeah. I should have ordered that. So I can definitely, I yes. can appreciate that. And he'll, he'll appreciate me shouting him out here. So um, you order talked envy, also. It's order envy and order regret. That, that's what he has every time, no matter where we go, no matter where we go. Well, with this guy, it's everything. It's not just food. It's oh, my my house, my car. It's it's anything that you can think of. But um, you, you talked about how uh, you would have been in the building to, to see that that game winner. Now, there's a, a game winner that actually today, two years is the anniversary of DJ Augustine hitting yes. the game winner yes. in Toronto. And if you watch the replay, if you look at the, <laughs> kind of the first media row in the background, you can see Dante with the, the huge fist yeah. pump and everything like that. Very calmly reacting to that shot so uh, first of all tell me what it was like for you that team that team holds a very near and dear place that 1819 team is always going to be really special to me um but i have some some questions about the the best plays in magic history but i wanted to to ask you specifically about about that shot there um and just well, that, your reaction to that that was incredible and that's you know that's a national tv game so i don't get dj after the game is over he hits right. the big shot that's another one I'd be able to get him. I, I think we spoke with Jonathan Isaac, uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Vooch after that game. But um, that was incredible. You have all that. You have all those fans. They're screaming. And, you know, when you go to a game, you hear things from opposing fans. 
And once they find out which team I'm with and which team I'm broadcasting for, then it's relentless. They just turn on you and I'm hearing things. So that was just an unbelievable moment for DJ to jump up and knock that down. It's it's one of the best moments, certainly playoff moments in in Magic history. So I I think that was fantastic. And what, what the team had been through, John, as you know, uh, for years, it's, it had been six years since they were back in the postseason. They had just some tough, tough seasons, and some guys that had come and kind of developed and left. And um, so, it, it, to see the whole combination, all the emotion of getting back to the postseason, first and foremost, with that group that worked so hard to bring them back, and now you're in the playoffs. You're an eight seed. Nobody's giving you any chance, or it's actually seven. You're a seven seed. No one's giving you any chance going against Toronto. Um, and then you hit that shot, and then you win game one, and then. To me, what the best part was, was that fan reaction. Remember that down on Wall Street yes. in Central Florida? They hit the saw and everyone's going crazy. And, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, could we possibly win the series? Could we right. possibly get out of here? Because they were, they were playing such great defense. It was the best defensive team in the NBA the last couple months of the season. Um, so that was, a, that was truly a special moment. And to be there and to witness it and uh, you know, to let your emotions just take over like that, uh, that, that was certainly something I'll, I'll always remember. Now, the last time that you were on the podcast, actually, to your credit, was right before the 2019 finals. And, and myself and my co-host at the time, we both took the Warriors in that series. But you you said, don't count this Toronto team out. And they went on to win the entire thing. So uh, we'll always have that game one against the, the eventual always. champs uh, right there. But so I wanted to ask you, Dante. So I, you mentioned that as, as far as the postseason goes, that's one of the best shots in Orlando Magic history. So. I think that might be and, you top know, and, one la- and one last thing. Sorry about that. I think yeah. having talked now to other people from the, and this is important for Magic fans to know how, how quickly this could have gone the other way. I, according to a lot of people in that Raptor organization, after that game against, that was the most nervous anyone in that whole organi- organization was the entire postseason. Wow. The start of the start of game two against the Orlando Magic. Because they were afraid of DJ had, Augustine. Well, that's right. But they had struggled to get out of the first round. Remember, they, right. they struggled to advance in the postseason, couldn't get past LeBron, and they just didn't know where it was going to go. And they all felt that if, if Orlando, if it came back to Orlando and Orlando got that game three, which they could have and probably should have, right? Because that, that building was electric. The city it was. was electric. Kawhi was off. He wasn't feeling well. We couldn't make a stinking shot. Had we made a shot and won that game, I truly feel completely different series, and that never happens for the Toronto Raptors. So that's how quickly things can change uh, in this in this world. But anyway, just to point that out, I, I always found that yeah. very interesting. No, so I was that was the first playoff game that I've ever witnessed in person was Game Three, and I'm dying okay. to get back to that atmosphere. That was yes. one of the worst things last year about the bubble is that obviously we right, couldn't be right. there for the the playoffs, but uh, dying to get back to that. And then uh, awesome. the last you know, minute or so, you know, it's kind of going back and forth. DJ Augustine looks like he's got a clear defensive rebound and, and Kyle Lowry just snuck in there, uh, got the ball and then, you know, free throws. And, and basically that game was over, but you mentioned how close it was in that series. And Dante, I'd like to get your opinion on this really quickly, but I think last year that buck series, if I mean, not even Jonathan Isaac, but if we have a healthy Michael Carter Williams and Aaron Gordon, yeah. I, I, a lot of people would argue that that series could have went the other way. Well, and I and I, I think the, the point being, uh, we didn't know how prone Milwaukee was to you know to, to get beat to being knocked out. We saw what Miami did to them there in the in the next series, and we could have been. There's a lot of feeling inside that we could have been Miami last yeah. year had we been healthy. You know, we could have made a run like that. Um, and yeah, if you just had Aaron, if you had another body to throw at Giannis, 
Uh, he just he just decimated you know the Magic in that series as well as he should. Uh, but if he had another body that could have contended with him, if he could have defended the three-point shot better, if other guys could have made shots, it was the emergence of the Vooch we see now. Uh, he absolutely exploded in the bubble with what he did there with 29 points a game or whatever, 15 rebounds. He was sensational. But, yeah, there was certainly a feeling after that. Then you saw what Miami did to him. They were healthy. Miami was fully right. healthy. Had we had those bodies, and then, oh, my goodness, then you throw, uh, let alone if you had a healthy Jonathan Isaac, Right. I mean, there was a feeling when remember remember those few games when Jonathan was boy there? do I I'm getting he's goosebumps. Coming the, he's coming off the bench with Kevin Markell, and you're looking at it saying, "Wow, we might have something here." I yep. mean, that was really that was a special couple of games, and, and just and it was so unfortunate his injury, and then boy, that really set the wheels in motion for the injuries we had this year. Oh, did it? We'll we'll get to that in a little Ooh. bit, Dante. But back to that that DJ Augustine game winner against the Toronto Raptors. So thinking about it today and just kind of reminiscing on that shot, uh, I think it has the chance to be uh, one of the top five single plays in Orlando Magic history. And obviously, I definitely personally weigh postseason shots more than I I would the regular season shot. So I wanted to go through what I think are the top five. And you can uh, feel free to correct me if there's anything that I'm missing or if if you feel that I'm wrong here. But I think in some order you have Nick Anderson stole the ball. Nick Anderson stole the ball. You have that. Right. Uh, Rashard's right. game winner, game four of the Eastern Ooh, yes. Conference Finals against the Cavs. Uh, you have Hito Turklu's game winner in Philadelphia or against Philadelphia to tie the series two to two. Easily yep. could have been three to one if he doesn't hit that shot. Rashard's game winner, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals with about 14 seconds left. And then DJ Augustine shot game one against yep. the Toronto Raptors. So top five all-time shots dj does it belong there is there something that i missed i think that's hard to argue i, I think that's hard to argue just th- thinking back off the top of my head i, I th- you know you've had bigger moments maybe i don't know about bigger moments but you've had you know if you like the dwight howard alley you game winner right so right that, so that's a big moment that's a special play but that's not a playoff game right you know like you know, like dj's was and on the road in a hostile environment uh yeah i think so i, I wish I wish Courtney Lee's layup was in there as one of the five. <laughs> oh boy! And you know Which what? Pal Gasol that, committed a goaltend, yes, just so did, everybody yes. knows. No, you're right. But that, you know, when LeBron hit that that shot in Game Two, Hito hit the game winner. What could have been the game winner with right. one second left? You know, before that miracle shot. So yeah, I think I think that's a great list. I I think you've got it, and I I don't know what else would go in there to to knock any of those out of there. I think, and and people are going to kill me for this, but I've always felt like that LeBron shot, there was just a little element of luck to it. He just caught it so fast, threw it up, oh, and then just the the bewildered expression that he ha- had on his face after he hit that. Ah, LeBron is one of the greatest players of all time. You could argue he's the greatest, but that was a little bit of a lucky shot. But um, No, no, there's no question about it. But there, there were a number of big shots. You know, you think about, you know, Dwight. Dwight makes a free throw, right, in, that, in the finals right. in game four, and you're able to even that series. Uh, there, there's so many big moments uh, along the way, but I, I, I like that list. I think you've got a good one. Awesome. Awesome. So to switch gears here, obviously it's been um, this Thursday will be three weeks since the trade deadline, which was really just a, a historic day in, in magic franchise, you know, five, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, that was the point that the magic decided to go one direction or another, regardless of what you thought about those guys. I happen to think the world of a lot of those guys, but um, definitely a, a big day. So um, I listened back again today to the Pod Squad episode that you recorded with David and, and Jeff and George Galante really right after the deadline. And everybody kind of went around the table and, and gave, 
you know, their, their uh, retelling of how they found out about the news and, and their reaction, but you didn't really share how you heard the news and, and what your initial reaction was to that. So could you share that? Cause I, I think we'd really yeah. like to hear that. It was a, a total gut punch for me personally. It was, it was for me too. Cause I, I think there was a feeling and I, I even talked to Evan on the air. I talked to Evan Ambush on the air, uh, the game, we had a game before the trade deadline. And I even said, I, I just didn't see any way I, I knew it was possible with Evan, but I just thought at the end of the day, you know, it, it, maybe you're not going to get what you think is fair value. So, you know, just ride it out and, and see what happens. Maybe you can get healthy. Maybe you can make a run here at the end of this year. Um, so I even said, I said, see you Friday. You know, I, I thought that was the case with Evan. I thought he was going to be back in no way in my, in my mind that I ever think Booch would be gone. So I, I just, that, that wasn't even, I, I didn't even think about that really. I, I thought at, once Aaron, voiced his you know his desire to move on I thought they would accommodate that so that that didn't really surprise me and I thought it was 50 50 on Evan I thought that could certainly happen uh but the Vooch one came out first right that was the first news and you know and and I you know I I try to normally you get rumblings or rumors or or whatever but I there was nothing there was nobody was saying anything uh until the Woj bomb until it came out you found out I think it was with 10 10 30 in the morning and I did. I just, I, I felt it, it was a gut punch. It was like, okay, then you, then you knew all bets were off. I, right. I thought everybody was going to go for sure. But uh, looking at my phone and seeing, and then the text messages started flooding in and, and we're all kind of trying to rationalize it and go back and forth. And, and you're thinking, okay, well, the, the decision has been made. And, and, and like you said, regardless of, you know, fans are going to be split on it and some fans love it and some fans don't. And, there's a clear path now. There's a decision that's been made, and, and this is the decision to to do a hard reset and and kind of kind of go forward with new players. So, but the initial reaction of you know the emotion of Dwight wanting out, right? So you got to go back to that, and then you got to accommodate that deal and him forcing his way out, then setting this whole thing in motion, this whole rebuild that kind of is still happening, um, and then you get you know you you get rid of one of your best players in franchise history and you end up getting one of your best players in franchise history and Nick Vucevic. And then, you know, we had so many tough years that Vuce was a guy you could always rely on. You know, he, he was always going to get you good numbers. He was always going to talk. He, he never, you know, he never, he wasn't one of those guys like we talked about in the podcast. who was going to go take a shower first and then come back and make you wait 40 minutes. You know, he, he just was always about the right things and he always treated you fair and, and all that. And not to mention, he's just such a great guy to root for. Uh, that you all those emotions, right? Don't you start you start thinking about all that, that how much he stood for, and then you start thinking about that night that he became an all star for the first time in, in 2019, right? When, when uh, you know when they finally is going to be going to be back, going to make an all star game for the first time, and then they that night in Boston when they make it back to the postseason, you know, for the first time in in six years, and, and just all those emotions kind of come flooding in, and and you start thinking about all that, but then you quickly realize it is a business and. You know, at the end of the day, if that's not the group you think is going to win you a championship, then you have to make the move. And, you know, then you start thinking about charting this this new course here. So as obviously, you know, the podcast and everything, we're deeply entrenched in Magic Twitter. So you come across Magic fans from all different experiences, Magic fans yeah, who have sure. been with the team for 30 plus years and remember, you know, the, the 95 finals run and or you have yep. Magic fans, you know, like myself and, and Luke, who started in, you know, the, the mid to early 2000s and sure. our first memories of success are the 09 finals runs. But then you have a lot of fans who Vooch and, and Evan and AG, that's really all they know as Magic fans. So yeah. I think 
it's a it's a mixed bag, Dante, when you talk about like that 1819 season that I mentioned is really special to me because those guys had suffered for so long and obviously you being so close to the organization and then what could be viewed as maybe marginal success. Like you got one all-star, you made the playoffs once after six years, you lost in five games that could be kind of could turn your nose up at that. But for a lot of us, that was just like, we might as well have won the finals that night in Boston. (laughs) You know, you're down. I think you were down like 18 points in that game. They come all the way back the way that that group did after the all-star break, just over and over and over again. And then the, the payoff for those guys, all of their hard work to be paid off with that, that playoff berth. I think part of what made me emotional at those trades was the fact that especially Vooch and and Evan, that their hard work wasn't, they weren't going to see like the final payoff of winning a title, which I think now everyone has had time to process the moves by the front office. And everyone understands that, we probably weren't going to win a finals with that team as it was constructed. So now everyone, you know, understands and ex- is, is excited about the potential of the future of this team, but it was definitely difficult to see those guys go. And, and something that I've, I've noted over the past few seasons is that anytime it seemed like you and Vooch uh, were sharing the frame together on the television, whether it was in person or over the, the zoom or whatever mechanism you guys use, you guys just seem to have like great chemistry, almost just like a, a couple of buddies. I know you have like the Tom Brady connection as well, but right, right, can you right. just talk, tell me a little bit about like how that started and, and how, what your relationship was like with Vooch over the years? Well, yeah, and, and just, I sure will. And, and just to piggyback, you mentioned the podcast, the podcast, we were supposed to do a trade deadline recap that day, assuming Aaron was probably going to move and, you know, maybe there'd be Evan, once we found out, but we, we had to take a couple of days to process. Yeah. So we waited the weekend. We didn't do that until Monday or Tuesday. Uh, was when we did that po- that podcast just to kind of kind of sort everything out, and then and then you know come to the realization that you know that this is the direction we're going. And yeah, ultimately, you know th- that's the group we want. We wanted. We all wanted fans, employees, players. We all wanted so badly for that to be the group to get it done. Right. And, but you had to be honest and you had to be realistic and think, okay, unfortunately, you know, maybe it wasn't going to happen. Uh, so you understand, so you understand you go this different direction, but, um, you know, certainly with, with, with everything that, that happened there, I mean, uh, you, you, when the, when the Dwight thing happened and not to keep going back to that, but you know, you have to do 82 broadcasts and you have to do, I have a daily radio show and we have the podcast and you have to find a way to sell hope and you have to look at optimism and you have to find silver linings and you have, you know, you don't lie. You don't sugarcoat it. If they play bad, they play bad. Uh, but it, but you, you just, you have to sell the game that night. And it was always Vooch. It was always Vooch was the guy that's the double double is going to put up big numbers and you saw the steady improvement. And so first of all, from a broadcast, from a professional standpoint, uh, you just root for the guy and, and you become, you know, big Nick Vucevic fans and then you get to know him and, and his sense of humor, it's dry, but it's a great sense of humor. And, you know, th- there's, you know, there's funny, there's funny things that you'll laugh about that never make air, you know, and in the locker room when you're standing there or seeing something or on a, on a plane ride or, you know, just walking in a hotel lobby, you just share a lot of moments along the way, different events, season ticket holder events. And I've done countless interviews with them. And you, you quickly realize that he'll give you a standard answer and, and he's great. He's thoughtful and he's methodical and all. But if, the, but if you can add a little humor to it or, or find a twist, kind of similar to what JJ Reddick would do, you know, he'd take the bait, he'd take, the, he'd take right. it and he'd give you that out and he'd give you a great answer. And it, and he quickly showed that he wanted to have fun in, in a lot of those interviews. 
So that's what it became about. You know, we're, we're not brain surgeons. We're not, you know, we're not doctors on the front lines here. And all. It's basketball. It's entertainment. you got to right. find a way to find something entertainment. I think he really took to, you know, to try to find a way to make it fun. And I am so grateful to him that he did that because um, we did have the Tom Brady thing. We had the Patriots thing. Uh, you know, then USC we had this year. And, and there just were a lot of funny things that we could find to, to hopefully make it fun for fans to try to show a side of Vooch that you might not ordinarily see. Two of my favorite uh, memories with, with you two, you know, that involved you two, uh, was one, the, the Glenn Davis, the turkey carving on Thanksgiving a few <laughs> yes, years back, where sure. he's trying to hand it to Vooch, and he's like, no, he's like, I'm good. I'm good. That's all you. And then this season, uh, I think it was after we beat the Warriors, Chumo Kiki hit a few big shots down the end, and Vooch is talking about it after the game. He's like, oh, that, you know, he showed some big Bs. He's like, I can say balls. That's not a, that's not a bad word. And that, right, that right. just really, to me, those moments just encapsulate the, the guy that Vooch was and what a lot of us will miss. So, well, as you guys know, he's, he's just real quick. He's loyal. He's incredibly loyal. And Absolutely. I think that, they, you know, he, he, he wanted well for this organization. He loves the fans. He loves the city. He wanted – it meant so much to him to be a part of the reason they were back in the postseason. So, yeah, we, we don't get to see this group realize the ultimate dream of a championship. But, but he's so proud of the fact that he should be that they, he got them back to the postseason. He, he validated this organization in, in everything in the last couple of years and in his career, two-time All-Star. And he right. did that. He's had different coaching regimes that have come through. He's the one that did that. And, uh, yeah, and I think what, with, the, with the Thanksgiving interview, he said, uh, he goes, I think it's called the stuffing. I think it's called. Yeah. <laughs> he's so dry and he's so loyal and he's a great human being. He's a family man and he loves this community. And I think for all those reasons, uh, he deserves all the success that he's had. Yeah, and I think we can – what's really crazy is when you look back on what we call the Dwight Mayor and everything like that, the Magic yeah. unequivocally won that trade. No and question. had you said that to us at the time, we were like, what are you talking about? Who's, who's Nikola Vucevic at the right. time is before we learned how to say Vucevic? Uh, right. But uh, we're, we're going to miss Nikola Vucevic. Um, no question. Definitely. No question. So funny enough, Dante, I'll be releasing this episode Wednesday – Tonight's the first night that we're going to see Vooch uh, play against the Orlando Magic in, you know, nine years. I, I can't remember if he played against the Magic his rookie year with the 76ers, but is that going to be weird for you at all, uh, covering Vooch kind of in a, in a different light to uh, Wednesday night? Very weird. Uh, it's very weird. I, but I'm so happy for him that, you know, if you're going to make the move and you're going to move, put him in a situation where, you know, he's in a great city. He's in a historic franchise. He's playing with a, a superstar and Zach Levine. Uh, I know they've had their struggles a little bit, and I think it's a, what, a two-game losing streak coming in, but they'll figure it out, and that's going to be a very good team for years to come, and I, I still think they're going to get in this year, and they, they got a big run in them. But seeing them in, in a Bulls jersey is going to be – I barely remember them in a Sixers jersey. And, right. And if, if what he has done to the Sixers his entire career is any indication of what we might be in for <laughs> You know, we're in uh, trouble. We could be in trouble. We could be in trouble. He has punished Philadelphia, and he'll say there's nothing extra, and it's just coincidence and all that. But I got to think deep down, there's a little extra there. We saw how motivated Aaron was uh, when we played the Denver Nuggets oh, yeah. going against his former team. But it's it is impossible to root against Nick Vucevic. You know, you're you're going to hope that the Magic win the game, uh, but you want that guy to be successful, and you want him to to realize everything that he's worked so hard for. And and I'm glad he's in a situation that he's happy about. And, you know, with the great with the great team there and 
And I, I hope he does a Zoom call so I'm able to talk to him at some point and catch up with him. But still in touch with him via text and, you know, kind of feeling things out on, on how he's doing up there. But, yeah, it's going to be – it was strange. The first, I watch every Bulls game. I watch every Bulls game because, yep. I, you know, you don't you – don't, you don't, push for these guys to have success for nine, seven, six years, and then just turn it off, right? Fans, you get, they don't do it as fans either, and just turn it off and, okay, now you know, now on to the next thing. You still root for these guys, and you hope that they do well. So I, I still cheer for them, and I think it's going to be fun, you know, that reunion here on Wednesday night. So I, I, I really hadn't planned to ask you this, um, but you mentioned a few minutes ago just about Vooch's loyalty, to, to especially to Central Florida and to the Magic and how the, the Magic were vindicated in, in making that trade for, for Vooch and for betting on Vooch and signing him to that big deal and that, you know, everything like that. Um, so, I mean, you can feel free to answer this about Vooch specifically, but a lot of people, myself included, the last few weeks have started to clamor that perhaps it's time to start retiring. You know, some of these jerseys that you see behind me, when we talk about Shaq and Penny and, and T-Mac and eventually even Dwight, although, you know, he had kind of a, a rough exit, uh, to put it lightly, but... Um, sure, sure. Even even Vooch, I, I would be in favor. I would definitely be in favor of of uh, retiring Vooch's jersey. I think he's you know top five Magic players of all time. Do you think that um, it might be time to to start retiring jerseys for the Magic? I know a lot of fans would love to see it. I hope so. You know, I, I grew up in Boston, and you know, there's a there's hardly any numbers left because of that Oregon. Now, but they've been around. <laughs> yeah, Evan they've had to go around. back to '94. Exactly, exactly right. They've been around since the '40s, so. Uh, one of the original teams, so so that's part of the reason. So, but I just think there's something, you know, not part of the part of the fun, but magical about walking into a venue and seeing that up there. And and I hope we get there, and I think we will. And I, I understand. Okay, you could say, well, the Celtics have won a bunch of championships, so you have to figure out, I guess, what your criteria is. And if it's based on championships, then it's going to be, you know, then, then then that's why it's not up there. So you have to develop the criteria. Is it all stars? Is it guys that? played well you know while they were here is it you know is it longevity you know nick anderson you know to me is a guy who i'd have no problem no problem seeing his number he should be the up, first up in the rafters yeah and I, I i could certainly see that but you know you go down the list i i think all three of those ones behind you on the wall i think in my opinion should be up there and so i don't know if you do one a or one b for mcgrady and penny you know, I, do them both you gotta, do i think you i'm fine with both, both. I think you got to put. I think you certainly got to put Nick up there, and I think you got to put Vucevic up there. And then I think you. Th- I think you think long and hard about you know where do Rashard, Turk, and Jameer. You know where do they yeah. rank? I, I know. I know we've got the Hall of Fame, and I think that's fantastic. But I, I think at some point the organization will make a decision on. Yes, we're going to retire a jersey. Who should it be? Dwight will certainly be up there. Maybe you wait till he retires and he's the first one. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would. I would personally would love to see that happen. I've thought about starting some type of campaign. If if I have anything to do with it, we'll we'll see jerseys retired well, well, one day. But, what, but who what knows? Would your, what would your criteria be? I, and I'd love to know I, from fans. Or does it matter? Do you just you know fan favorite? What 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 constitutes getting a jersey retired? To me, I'm a I I wouldn't have a, a set criteria. I think you have to go on a on a case by case basis because when you okay. when you look at a guy like Nick Anderson, who was here for years and years, is you know, still franchise leader in, in games and, and minutes and everything like that. Um, but, you know, he wasn't Shaquille O'Neal or, or Tracy McGrady, but a guy who just contributed so much to your franchise that is a fan favorite. And look at Vooch. I mean, it, if you really think about it, what do we have to show for Vooch's nine years? We have outside of his individual success, we have two playoff berths. But that's not what Vooch meant to this franchise. 
I don't think you can, you can, I, I don't think that encapsulates what he did as a player for the Orlando magic. I mean, just a, him and Evan, especially not to take away from Aaron, but Vooch and Evan, you just, you never felt like those guys took a playoff. They never gave up. They right. fought like crazy. You knew they were working as hard as they possibly could. You saw in Boston that interview with you when you said, how lit do you think Central Florida is going to be? And you see how excited Evan Fournier got. Like, that goes a long way for me. I don't think I would go as far and say, you know, retire number 10 for Evan because for 10 you'd have to – there's another guy that you'd have to retire yeah, before right, Evan, right. Uh, right. Daryl Armstrong. But um, I don't think you can have a set criteria, at least in my opinion. I think it would okay, be really on a, on a case-by-case basis. Like, I understand all the success that we had with Richard. But Richard was here two, two and a half years. You know, I don't think the longevity is definitely a big piece of it for me. Like Jameer Nelson was here so long, only made one all-star team. But when we saw, I think, I think it was Jason Smith was the first player to wear 14 after Jameer, you know, went on. I think it was to Denver first. That hurt. That really, really hurt to see someone else wear 14. But um so yeah, that's that's how I feel about it at least. But I wanted to take I, I, this. I, 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 I agree, and I would love to see it happen. What whoever it is, I think you've got a number of guys that should be up there. Right. Vooch, hundred percent, should have his should have his number up there, and I think it will happen. I don't know when, but I would love to see it. I, I hope you're right, Dante. I know there are a lot of people that that would love to see that as well. So I wanted to uh, switch uh, directions here for for part in the pun because the Magic are going in a new direction. Yeah. Um. Obviously, they have. Uh, prioritized a high draft pick, it seems like, with this coming draft. Obviously, they're, they're still the guys that are on the floor, Steve Clifford, they're still trying to win games as they should, right? Can't be mad at them for trying to do their jobs. Totally but I wanted agree. to ask totally you, uh, I know you're obviously a Liberty alum, so you, I know you're a big college basketball guy. Uh, in that top five, are there any prospects that you have your eye on that you think might be you know, a, a really good selection for the Orlando Magic? Well, I think there's, I, I think it's all the names that you're hearing, right? And unfortunately, because a lot of guys haven't declared yet, and so we don't really know who's coming out, who isn't. As a team employee, I can't really comment on it. Okay, uh, that's uh, fair. Too much on specifics, but everything that you hear is this is right uh, a transformational draft. There are a number of guys in this draft. Could it, could it be up to four, five, or six deep that could totally that could potentially trade, you know, change around. Uh, a franchise we don't know that you know we the scary thing to me is we thought Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker were going to be transformational players right we thought I, I just think there's a lot of unknown with the draft but that being said I certainly understand being excited if you have a chance to get a guy that you think fits what you're trying to do and I think there's a number of organizations uh, that are very high on this draft and I think there's a number of scouts that will tell you there's going to be a, a couple of potential can't-miss players coming into this draft. So I, I, I certainly get the posturing and, and people trying to get in line. I think if you're, a, if you're a Magic fan, you're looking at it and you're saying, well, you're a game out. You know, it, it's, the, the three, it's the teams with the worst three records uh, that each have a 33% chance at the number one pick. And if you're in that group, you give yourself the best odds to get one, two, or three, right? So, and, I, and I think, you know, there's a lot of teams that, you know, front offices would be excited about that. But, you know, quote-unquote tanking doesn't happen on the floor with players and coaches. Right. They're trying to win basketball games. And to me, that's how you develop a culture. You don't, you don't just trot out there and eh, whatever happens, happens. You know, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to build something here, and you're hoping you can establish a culture that we're fighting and you're, and 
And no matter what the, the scenario is, we're going to try to win eight guys, seven and a half guys, guys that we've just met, 24th person on the roster. We're going to try to win. And that, to me, is what Steve Clifford is doing. And, and, and that's what should happen. That's what these players are fighting for. And that's what this organization uh, should be about. Um, so we're developing. We're in that development stage. But, you know, it's so hard to say. And, I, you know, I, I think you can get better getting the right guy later in the draft as well. Look what Miami has done. Look at, you know, look at a lot of teams that didn't have the luxury of being in the top two, three, or four and had to make do with what they had. So I think there's a number of ways to get there. So if the Magic fall in the top five, great. I think you have a great opportunity to, you know, to, to get a player that could potentially turn the franchise around. But I also trust this group to find the right guy at eight, nine, and 10 or wherever they fall. And, and listen, you, if you're a Magic fan, you could have the first pick and you could have Chicago could be seven or eight. You could have one, seven, and eight, or you could have five and six, you know, or five and 12. You have no idea how it's all going to play out. It's a lottery for that reason. Uh, but I think there's a number of ways to get there. I think you have cap flexibility now where you can go after free agents uh, at some point here soon, too. So I think you've set yourself up, uh, you know, certainly from a financial standpoint uh, to, to pursue this a number of ways. I think we might be okay as long as Chicago doesn't up, end up in the top four. That would just be a complete disaster. So hopefully we can avoid that. But so I wanted to talk a little bit about obviously the magic have decided to rebuild in a, in a certain sense. However, this is not the typical rebuild and this is not the rebuild that we are facing at the start of the 2012 season where you don't really have much to work with. You've got a bunch of veterans uh, and you didn't really have a way to, to get real assets. However, now obviously we have, our pick this year, we have Chicago's pick this year. We have all of our first round picks. We have the 2023 Chicago pick, the 2025 Denver pick. Right. Then, not to mention, you have Jonathan Isaac coming back, Markel Fultz, Chuma Okiki, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr. This is, you really have a head start to the rebuild. Like, we're already off to a really good start with, with this group that we have. So I just wanted to ask you on your opinion on that. Do you feel like the Magic are really in a, a much better position now than they were the last time that we tried to do this in 2012? Oh, totally. 100%. No, I, there's no question about it. And I, and I think, you know, and I think all those guys will tell you that too. You know, you had, even when you had Tobias and you had Oladipo and you had Vooch and you had F, you know, all those guys were, were, you know, they were coming up on the same contract and they were all trying to jockey for who's the best player and who's, you know, they were, they were think, kind of thinking along the, the lines of financial stability and you didn't really have uh, a dominant veteran that could kind of be the voice of reason uh, with the first go around. But even that, you had talent on the roster. But this, yes, you've got Markel Fultz coming back. You've got Jonathan Isaac, hopefully will be ready when the season starts. You would imagine he would be and he had asserted himself as, you know, an elite defender in this league. And if he can get you 14, 15, 17 points a game next year, uh, you've really got something. And then at some point next year, you're going to add Markel Fultz into the fold. So you can certainly see, you know, you're coming back with two guys that kind of had started to establish themselves. And, you know, yeah, then you add in, you know, what's Cole Anthony going to be? What's Chuma Okiki going to be? But these guys are young, John. That, that's yeah. the other thing. It's going to take time. And, and as good as they all are and as good as they're going to be, you got to avoid injuries again with any of these other guys and certainly the guys coming back. Um, and, and you still, to me, you need those veteran pieces. Terrence Ross is a great piece. James Ennis is a great piece. Uh, you know, Dwayne Bacon, you know, if nothing else, you know, he, he's, he's struggled offensively at times throughout the season, but he's played every game. He's the only guy on the roster that's been available every night. 
And I think that's, that's an incredible testament to him. But you can certainly see with these guys, if they continue to develop, uh, it's certainly not going to be a four, five, six-year thing. If you get the right guy uh, with your pick, hopefully it's in the top five. If you get the right guy with the Bulls pick and these guys continue to develop, you can certainly see some positive changes where this thing is going to be trended in the right direction. And you're going to see it as early as next year. I'm hoping that three, four years from now, we're finally sitting with a, a Larry O'Brien trophy in, in central Florida. That would be absolutely incredible. Dante, I want to be considerate about, of, of your time here. I have one final question for you. So your guy, Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl a couple of months ago. The yes, Bucks are bringing everybody back. Do you think Brady is, is getting number eight this year? I do. I, I never count him out. I go into every single year thinking Tom Brady is going to win a Super Bowl. Every single year. What a so way to no live. Reason to, there's no, <laughs> there's no, no reason to count him out this year. Because, and I just don't know when Edelman's going to join him. I don't know if it's going to be at the end of this season. I said the same thing gonna, yesterday. Or if it's going to be next season. Because he's going to try. I, I right. do believe he's injured. I do believe he can't play this right. year. Uh, but I do think he's coming back at some point. He's going to join that team. Yes, I do think Tom Brady is going to win again. Run it back. I think this will be even harder because everyone's going to be gunning for him. Uh, but they brought everybody back. And I don't see any reason why they can't win it again. Can you ever count that guy out? I thought it what was what was it 2016 2017 they were down 28 to 3 to the Falcons I remember being at my buddy's house I was like yes, the Patriots I, are really going to lose the Super Bowl to the Falcons and little did we know obviously that that's not what happened but um I, I would agree with you I'm a big Giants fan probably not our year maybe in, in another few years here but I appreciate you taking the time Dante hopefully this Tom year Brady, Tom Brady should have nine Super Bowls if it wasn't for you guys that's hey. the problem that's the problem. Eli Manning more, is, more the, I, is the goat more killer. Icon, more iconic catch. More iconic. David Tyree or Julian Edelman against the Falcons. I'm 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 partial to say David Tyree, so uh, I think the the Tyree catch was a little bit more improbable. Being on top of the helmet there, you're, you're going up against the undefeated Patriots. Uh, I'm a little bit partial to the David Tyree catch, but the Edelman catch was amazing, also. Tyree never should have happened. It never should have happened. Asante Samuel should have picked that pass off before it even got to them. But well, anyway, anyway. We could talk about I, that I, all day, Dante, but hopefully yes, this draft, the Magic get their Tom Brady. How about that? There you go. I'll take it. No matter who you get, continue to develop. You've got so much young, fantastic talent already. You had a couple of, a couple other pieces. This is going to be a lot of fun here very, very quickly. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dante, so much for, for joining us. Always, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. My pleasure. Talk to you guys anytime. Absolutely. So for Dante, this has been Jonathan. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!